Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host. I'm a transformation specialist and I work with retailers and brands to help drive transformation forwards. As a consultant and advisor, I've worked with many big name retailers and global brands to deliver a number of different changes and improvement initiatives from creating new business propositions, unlocking new revenue streams and defining the ideal operating model. I can help you to navigate disruption and accelerate towards positive profitable change. Thank you for tuning in today. This one is episode number 256, number 256. In the last episode, we spoke about the opportunity of discovering a new business model to drive growth and ultimately profitability. I revealed research from Bain that suggested by 2030, half of retailers' profits are going to come from new business models. That's a significant leap up, and it's something we need to start thinking about much more right now. And in this episode, we're going to explore how you can take that idea of creating a new business model and actually bring it into reality, discovering the steps along the way that will find a viable and realistic avenue for you to follow. The show notes from today are over at obandco.uk slash 256. That's obandco.uk slash 256. And over there, I will include my contact details if you'd like to reach out and have a discussion about how you can create a new business model and look to supplement your revenues and profits with a new way of working. So where do we all begin? Well, for me, it's about being clear about the opportunity in front of you and making sure it's the right opportunity at the right time. You've got to consider what else is going on within the business right now. What are the biggest challenges that exist? Where are the key priorities right now? If the business is requiring an urgent modernization, whilst it might be nice to think about new business models, it's probably not the right time. There are probably more pressing things to get hold of, which I'm sure you can appreciate. However, it's also important to recognize that creating a new business model does take time to define it, to develop it, but most importantly, to scale it up. You know, if we're talking about that Bain research, which I'll put the link on the show notes, by the way, if we're talking about that Bain research that says by 2030, 50% of retailers' profits are coming from these engine two business models, as they describe it. This is not an activity to start working on in 2029, right? That is not going to suddenly pivot the business. And whilst you might therefore be working on short-term initiatives, it's also worth starting a little bit of research, a little bit of creativity into where are we going? What is this potential future that we could work towards? And with the assumption that it is the right time organizationally to start thinking about a big transformation, and let's be honest, funding a new business model is a big fundamental type of transformation then it's important to recognize what is that opportunity? What is the new business model that we're going to pursue? 
As I spoke about in the last episode, there are so many different opportunities out there, lots of different directions to take, and all might seem viable, right? But you can't realistically pursue every single opportunity all at once. I used to have a business coach that would liken it to the analogy of chasing rabbits. And if you imagine you're trying to catch a rabbit from a little group of rabbits, there's probably a technical name for a group of rabbits, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, But if you try and catch one, they all suddenly scatter and you can't get to any of them. But if you focus in on one or maybe two, there's a much higher chance of managing to get your hands on it. So the watch out is don't try and pursue every single opportunity, but focus in on just a couple. The opposite watch out is true, though, particularly as an existing company where you've got a speciality around your category, your ways of working, your business, ultimately. And with all of that expert knowledge, the danger is that, proverbially, when you're a hammer, all you see is nails. So are you only going to see the opportunities that you're already highly familiar with? Perhaps you need to make sure that you're looking a little harder, using a little bit more creativity, a little bit more openness around the different opportunities in front of you. For example, it might feel comfortable to say, let's open a marketplace business model within the same categories that we already play in, because we understand that. We understand the customer needs. And that's true. And that might present a great opportunity. But are you therefore leaving other big, arguably bigger opportunities on the table? Be sure to critique all of the options in front of you before deciding which ones to explore further. Connected to this, it's also important to really start thinking about the uniqueness. Where is the value for the customer? And we'll come back to the customer in just a moment. So hold that thought. And connected to this uniqueness, what is the value that you bring to the initiative? The unique value. You know, last time we spoke about the concept of valueless assets. So what is your valueless asset that you could focus the new business model around? Maybe you've got vast footfall or web traffic numbers. Maybe you've got an extensive store network that means that you're very close to each consumer across a whole country. Maybe you've got in-depth data about particular shopping behaviors or an insanely loyal customer base. Maybe it's about the way of working within the company. Perhaps you've got very efficient and scalable operations or a perfectly tweaked and optimized homegrown IT system infrastructure and architecture. Perhaps you have market-leading customer service levels, and there are many, many more valueless assets that you could have. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about when I say valueless asset, go and check out the last episode, episode 255. But to that very last point, please ensure that they are extremely good. They are market leading. Other companies are holding you up as the benchmark to aspire to on that particular topic. I'm sure you can imagine there are many companies that say, oh, we've got this very, very loyal customer base. But do you across the whole retail market? Do you have a really loyal customer base or is it actually average? Because if everyone has that same attribute, there is no uniqueness to your new business model. There is no strategic moat that stops a competitor from suddenly marching in with, let's say in this example, an even more loyal customer base and taking away your new market share. Additionally, when you're thinking about your points of uniqueness, it must be meaningful 
for the customers, which we'll come back to, meaningful for the customers and meaningful for the future as well. So it might be true that your business has been operational for 100 years. Don't get me wrong. That's wonderful. Lots of lovely heritage. Clearly, it's pretty unique and it's going to be difficult to replicate 100 years of trading history. But does it actually mean anything for the future or for your customers? And there are lots of examples of this where you could say, oh, we've got a much loved brand and everything. Again, is it truly unique? Is it market leading? And is it meaningful? Now, we've mentioned customers a couple of times already, and it's truly important to start thinking about who is the customer for this new business model? Who is going to value what you have to offer? And start with identifying the customer. Who is that going to be? And it might not be the end consumer anymore. Particularly if you're exploring aspects like B2B retail as a service opportunities or even retail media. There, the customer is no longer the consumer. It's almost like the opposite of direct to consumer D2C, but instead going indirect to consumer. So start to think about who the customer is and actually what do you mean by customer in air quotes? You know, who is it? Who is the customer? Is it the person paying the bills? Is it the person consuming the output? And you might have a variety of customers that each have an interest in the new business model, right? Retail media is a great example of that. So with these customers in mind, understand what their challenges are, what their goals are, their hopes, their fears. And given the solution that you are starting to think about, how are they currently tackling this area? Why is it that your solution would be able to solve it better? And for this, start to think about what else is it that you bring to the party of this new business model? Again, ideally something that you already have as a valueless asset within the company. Maybe it's a particular element of segmentation or industry relationships. Maybe it's around expertise and particular trade secrets that you have developed in your core business. Or maybe it's around systems and system capability. There are many different things that you could add in here and say, we've got this unique opportunity. And what's more is that we can bring a lot more to the party. We can make this a lot more valuable for the customer. And what this is doing is it's suddenly it's taking these valueless assets and it is making them meaningful for a new paying customer. It creates this new business model that is not the traditional buy, move, sell model that we were talking about last time. Now, it could also be possible to make an acquisition of another company, perhaps, that already has a different business model in place. And you could just buy it up and ta-da, there you go. And that's true. But also, what would you know about that particular market? How could you supplement that acquisition with the valueless assets that exist within the company already? If you are just buying a new business for the sake of it, essentially, yes, it might be nice and easy. It could end up that you are just buying a mirage. You don't really understand what it is in front of you and suddenly everything evaporates when you get close. And so the next element to start thinking about is the overall viability of the new business. And here we start to think about finances, numbers and performance. And it gets pretty tricky, if I'm honest, because suddenly you're trying to forecast a number that you have no experience in, no background in. There are no year-on-year numbers that you can bring forward, almost copying and pasting the Excel formula across the years. So therefore, you're going to need to create 
a new business forecast and a new financial model as well. You're going to have new inputs, new outputs, and there will be impacts across the whole P&L, as I'm sure you can imagine. Equally, these forecasts are going to be needed throughout the business for use in operational planning, growth opportunities, etc. But given the fact that you have no experience in this new business model, you don't really have any rock solid forecasts, you've got to remain agile. You've got to start thinking about how you can create capacity for the new business within the core business. Maybe that is warehouse capacity. Maybe that is P&L revenue capacity. Who knows? Depends on what your business is, right? But there is going to be natural volatility, especially in the early days. And then as you've started to build up experience, as you've started to create some year-on-year metrics, you'll get a hang of what are the trends we're looking at? How is the business model evolving? How many leads do I have in the pipeline, for example? And these help you to create confidence and a more reliable forecast going forward. There is also a massive watch out here when you are starting to consider business viability. And that watch out is that it is very easy to get carried away with the numbers, when in reality, it's going to be harder and slower than you might expect. You know, it's easy to look at, let's say, Amazon's ad business that started in 2012. By the way, a little bit of history lesson as we spoke about last time. It's easy to look at that business and get overexcited. You take the numbers, you translate them into your business, and suddenly everything looks fantastic. And that is great. But please remember that it takes time to get traction. Hence why it's also important to get started working on this sooner rather than later. So we found an opportunity and a customer base, and we've got a viable business in front of us, albeit on paper. It's now important to start thinking about the operating model. And again, there is no one size fits all here. You are going to need to create a bespoke operating model that fits the business opportunity that you found, that fits the existing business that you already have, and is aligned to the overall aspirations and appetite that the business has for fundamental transformation. So you're going to need to consider the existing operating model and the critical aspects of the new operating model. How do these critical aspects fit in to the existing operating model? That could be around new processes, new policies, new procedures. And you may need to think about where the new business model consumes the capability or the capacity from the existing business. And consider where the synergies are, where you can either share exactly the same or very similar aspects of the overall operating model. And again, this is bespoke, but it could be around finance or people or IT, lots of different areas here. And with this new business model, there are going to be new interfaces. Perhaps that's with a new customer or a new supplier or a new partner. How are you going to serve those other new parties? So start to map out the building blocks for the operating model, where you're integrating with the core business, where resources are going to be shared. And then you can start to think about how this operating model impacts the organizational hierarchy and setup in terms of ownership, in terms of responsibilities, in terms of efficiencies. And that will help you identify aspects like new training requirements or even new system requirements as well. It may also be relevant to create a new business unit to focus on this new business model. 
lots of other retailers are doing this. So we've got things like the ASOS Media Group, THG Ingenuity, Walmart Connect. These are all business units that are focused on the new business model. And sure, they may be sharing some resources with the core business, but for that team, they are focused purely on the new opportunity. There are lots of important elements to include in an operating model, but one of the most interesting aspects here is around the measures of success. Because with your new business model, what does success mean? Is it about classic financial performance? What's the bottom line contribution that it adds to the business? Sure, that's important, but is it everything? Is it more about risk reduction so that you're not keeping all your proverbial eggs in one basket, allowing you to be more robust and resilient to fluctuations within the wider retail market? Is it about boosting business value? Is it about creating a strategic moat? Because whatever these success factors mean for you and your particular business opportunity, it's going to create new KPIs, new metrics, and new ways of measuring that success. And as you start to create this new business model, you start to think about the operating model. The next big challenge to face into is around business priorities, which by this stage of the process, you'll have already had to start thinking about, by the way, because a new business model will create discussions, arguments, battles, however you want to frame it, within the organization. These are going to be around resources, investment, headspace, level of importance. And there's going to naturally be a lot of different opinions to factor in here. You've probably got existing strategic goals and operational targets, which people are going to want to hit. And this new entity is then creating a distraction or a deviation or even a barrier towards realizing these original plans and goals. And that is going to incite people to reject the new business model, find reasons and ways to stop it so that we can continue on with those original goals. You know, think about the extent that someone is going to go to if their bonus becomes impacted because the original performance targets are not met because the new business model has provided a worthy but legitimate distraction. That individual that has now got a lower bonus is not going to be the most supportive, I'm sure you can imagine. And that's going to create a passionate debate where someone, or maybe many people, have got huge literal investment in the outcome. And this can create conflict within and across the whole organization because you are now not one team anymore. You are not focused purely on one objective. And by the way, chances are you already were struggling with different teams and different people focused on different objectives, right? You already felt siloed within the business and a new business model is creating another silo. So prioritization is really important and you may need to reset those strategic goals, those performance targets in light of how the business model sits in the operating model. And when it comes to prioritization, this can go really one of two ways if we're playing with the extremes. You could consider the new business model small and insignificant. It's worth nothing relative to the core business. So it should always play second fiddle and basically never get any prioritization. Or at the other end of the spectrum, it's an exciting new venture that is worth enormous amounts of money, 50%, let's say, <laughs> of future profits. 
backed up with lots of examples of other companies that are generating loads and loads of positive results from it. And then you take your eye off the core business. But neither, of course, is the right answer. And it becomes challenging because you can't even compare like for like. The core business has got a different market. It has got different goals compared to the new business. And your core business, assuming you have done your main period of growth, is more around focusing on protecting market share, preventing decline, optimizing the operating model, squeezing out every little bit of customer value and business value. Whereas the new business model is focused on growth. It's focusing on reaching new customers, disrupting the market, disrupting the business. And so prioritization comes down to a choice where ultimately you are choosing to do one thing over another. And whilst we don't want to be so digital over that, yes or no, we want to break it down into smaller bite-sized decisions that allow us to ultimately play both at the same time. Now, when you're developing a new business model, there are loads of other challenges and watchouts and lots of specific ones as well, based on your own unique circumstances. Aspects that you need to factor in, though, are around sales and marketing, which are going to be for a different angle, especially if you've got a different customer base and customer type. For example, if it's now a B2B customer rather than a B2C end consumer. And the shift in sales and marketing means that you're going to need different processes around sales funnels, business development, CRMs, reporting. And it may also introduce elements that will impact the wider business as well. For example, around reward. If you're working on B2B sales, aspects like commission are going to be new to the business, but may be considered fairly standard for the type of person that you're looking to recruit for let's say, business development roles or other sales jobs. How are your other colleagues across the business going to react to this? The financial reporting is going to be different, especially if you're changing the billing model, for example, or perhaps moving to invoicing and delayed payments. It may be that performance is more volatile than the classic model. In retail, if you lose one single customer, It's not really the end of the world. Of course, it's disappointing, but it's not going to really impact the results, ultimately, one customer. But perhaps if you are now operating a B2B business and you lose one customer, it could represent a major percentage of the business. And there could also be implications across the business. You know, if you are talking about retail media and a company decides to pull out of media options, if they're also a supplier to the business, Suddenly now you've lost a big supplier and that could lose you market share for the core business. You're going to need to think about aspects like customer service. You know, we spoke about who is the customer, but ask, how do they want to be served? Even if it's a different consumer segment, there may be different requirements. If you're working in a new category or you've got perhaps a service proposition, for example, you're going to need to include aspects like customer service in your broader operating model. And there are going to be impacts like this felt across the business, whether it's in legal, IT, people, property, whatever, you name it. And then finally, data is becoming increasingly important in all businesses. And inevitably, in your new business model, there is going to need to be an element of data and therefore data governance, especially if 
that data is the valueless asset that you are using to create the new business opportunity. If that data is being translated into, let's say, a financial performance metric or has a significant value attached for your new customer, you know, retail media as an example, what is the exact footfall? What is the exact traffic? How are you going to audit that? How would your customers critique that? So data governance is going to need a bit of an overhaul as well. And equally, around the topic of data, you may need to think about confidentiality across the organization. Perhaps there are restrictions about who can see what to ensure ethical trading and ethical business practices. But you may also have now suppliers or even customers that can access different parts of the system, for example. So you're going to need to think about Chinese walls within the business and walled gardens around the business, if you like those analogies. (laughs) So when you're creating a new business model that is there to drive ultimately revenue growth and profit growth for the company, there are so many different aspects to consider and so many more that we haven't even touched on today. I believe as we move into non-traditional business models, we see more divergence in the marketplace. The benchmarks, the comparisons become companies across many different industries. The ways of working become more diverse and your competitor of today may or may not be your competitor of tomorrow. Who knows, perhaps they'll be your customer of tomorrow. So the opportunity for developing new business models is huge, but so too is the effort and the planning and the thinking and the strategy that goes into creating a viable, realistic, meaningful new business. So do absolutely pursue these opportunities But go in eyes wide open, recognize the amount of time it takes, recognize the impact to the core business and be reasonable with the opportunity that is in front of you as well. And if you'd like support, then do reach out. My email is oliver.banks at obandco.uk. I'll pop my email on the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 256. And over there, you're going to have the opportunity to subscribe to my free retail transformation briefing, which highlights key trends and changes around the industry as they happen. So you can stay in touch and stay connected to the evolving world of retail. Also, I'm going to put some other suggested episodes to check out next. If you've not listened to the last episode, that's a definite recommendation. Episode 255 and that's called Moving Beyond the Traditional Business Model. But I'll also include recommendations around topics like marketplaces, uncertainty, and even how you can use avatars to help drive your new business model forwards. So head on over to obandco.uk slash 256. And if you're new to the show, do hit subscribe in your usual podcast app, new episodes every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And as you start creating your new business model, I wish you lots of luck. Thanks very much. Bye.